0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the third of Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we look at the last events of Jephthah's life and the lives of three more judges of Israel. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Judges chapter 12 on Simply the Bible.
0: As a pastor, one of the most fascinating subjects to me is a person's gifts and calling from the Lord. The Bible tells us that these are irrevocable. On the one hand, you can't put in what God left out. On the other hand, when we are operating in the fullness of our gifts and calling and in the power of the Holy Spirit, then nothing can stop us. As we continue through the 300 plus years of the judges of Israel, we see that God used many different types of men and women to deliver his people from the enemy. We have a tendency of comparing one against the other, but in the end, God will hold each of us responsible to be faithful in the gifts and calling he has given to us. God had raised up Jephthah, who was an unlikely candidate. The Ammonites had not only attacked the tribes living on the east side of the Jordan, but also had crossed over to fight against the tribes of Judah, Ephraim, and Benjamin, so that Israel had been severely distressed. But God used Jephthah mightily to deliver Israel from Ammonite oppression. Consequently, Jephthah is one of the three judges mentioned in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. But not everybody was happy with Jephthah's victory. We continue in Judges chapter 12. Then the men of Ephraim gathered together, crossed over the Zaphon, and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon, and did not call us to go with you? We will burn your house down on you with fire. Really? The Ephraimites were hotheads, they were a proud tribe. Decades earlier, when Gideon had not first called them into battle, they reprimanded him. Gideon was diplomatic and assuaged their anger by telling them that the two princes they caught were greater than the thousands Gideon's army defeated. Now the Ephraimites were coming against Jephthah, but he was cut from a different cloth than Gideon. Because Ammon had crossed over the Jordan into the territory of Ephraim, Jephthah also crossed over to pursue them. But he didn't call for the Ephraimites. The Ephraimites were so offended by this that they threatened to burn Jephthah's house down with him in it. And Jephthah said to them, "'My people and I were in a great struggle with the people of Ammon, and when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands.' So when I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my hands and crossed over against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? We've already seen that when Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon, he was good at arguing his case. Jephthah makes three points here to these proud Ephraimites. Number one, my people and I were in a great struggle with the Ammonites. This was a conflict between the people of Gilead and the people of Ammon on the east side of the Jordan. Number two, when I called you, you didn't deliver me. The Ephraimites never crossed the river to help Jephthah and his people when they were in need. Number three, when you didn't do anything, I took care of the matter myself, crossed over the river to pursue the Ammonites, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. So why have you come here now to pick a fight with me? The Ephraimites should have been thankful that Jephthah took care of the Ammonite problem for them. Instead, they were jealous that Jephthah received credit for the battle. Unfortunately, jealousy also enters the church today. People become more concerned about who receives the credit than about the work of God advancing. But James tells us in James 3.14, If you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. What is my reaction when I see God raise up someone else in the body of Christ? Am I critical? What if God chooses to do a fresh work in another church? Would I be willing to acknowledge the hand of God and join in the work? Or would I sit on the sidelines jealous that God used somebody else? You see, we don't control whom God chooses. Revival is a sovereign work of God. When it comes, we should recognize His hand in it and ask the Lord what He would have us do to join in His work. We should be thankful for those gifted people whom God does raise up rather than being jealous. Verse 4, Now Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. And the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim, because they said, You Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. We learned something else about what was in the heart of the Ephraimites. They were prejudiced against the Gileadites, the family from which Jephthah came. The Gileadites were not a pure tribe as was Ephraim. Instead, they were a mixture of the tribes of Manasseh and Gad. Now the Ephraimites added insult to injury by calling them fugitives, implying that they didn't have a right to their own land, and revealing their contempt for them. Jephthah decided to teach them a lesson, so he gathered all the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. Ephraim was the second largest tribe of Israel, so for the Gileadites to whip them proved that indeed they were mighty men of valor. But the conflict didn't end there. The Gileadites seized the fords of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrived. And when any Ephraimite who escaped said, let me cross over, the men of Gilead would say to him, are you an Ephraimite? If he said no, then they would say to him, then say Shibboleth. And he would say Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they would take him and kill him at the fords of the Jordan. There fell at that time 42,000 Ephraimites. You see, the only way for the Ephraimites to go back home was at the fords of the Jordan. So the Gileadites seized it before they arrived. And when an Ephraimite said to them, let me cross over, they would make him say the word shibboleth. Evidently, Ephraimites couldn't pronounce the sh sound. So if he said shibboleth, then the Gileadites would kill him on the spot, and 42,000 Ephraimites were put to death there. Quite a price to pay for arrogance, jealousy, and contempt. Whenever I go to Europe, I am always challenged by the way Europeans roll their R's. My pronunciation is a dead giveaway that I'm an American. If they made me roll my R before they'd let me board the plane home, I'd still be in Europe. Verse 7, and Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah, the Gileadite, died and was buried among the cities of Gilead. Jephthah's tenure as judge of Israel did not last very long. They had wanted a mighty man of valor, and that's who Jephthah was. His leadership was bloody, but he did bring deliverance from the Ammonite oppression, and he dealt with the arrogant Ephraimites. After him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had thirty sons, and he gave away thirty daughters in marriage and brought in thirty daughters from elsewhere for his sons. He judged Israel seven years. Then Ibzan died and was buried at Bethlehem. Nothing is said about Ibzan's accomplishments other than that he had sixty children. Family was obviously the man's priority. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a large family and giving yourself to it. However, some people put their family before their commitment to God. We must remember what Jesus said concerning the cost of discipleship. In Luke 14, 26, he said, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. I love my family, but to be a pastor, I must also love the family of God. And I must love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus set the bar very high when he said to love our enemies. Of course, all these things I seek to do because I love him. You see, we cannot be self-focused and accomplish kingdom goals verse 11. After him, Elon the Zebulonite judged Israel. He judged Israel 10 years. And Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried at Ajalon in the country of Zebulun. Nothing is said of Elon's tenure as judge other than its length of 10 years. While there were no battles fought or any other remarkable accomplishments, it seems that he faithfully executed his duty as judge. On his watch, the people did not worship the Baals or the Ashtoreths, as in previous times. There was peace in Israel. As humans, we tend to compare one leader against another, but such comparisons often lead to divisions. That is what happened in the Corinthian church. So that the Apostle Paul wrote to them and said, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos or I follow Peter, or I follow Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Rather than comparing one servant of God against another, we should realize that each person has his or her own gifts and calling. In the end, each of us will be judged by whether we were good and faithful stewards of what God gave to us. We are not to judge one another regarding these things, but to let the Lord be the judge. As Paul wrote in Romans fourteen fourteen, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Verse 13, After him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirithonite, judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 young donkeys. He judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirithonite, died and was buried in Pirathon in the land of Ephraim in the mountains of the Amalekites. Here is another judge about whom little is said except that he had a large family of sons and grandsons riding 70 donkeys. During the 25 years of these three judges, nothing remarkable happened in Israel. They may have kept the peace, but they didn't produce any lasting changes, for after their governing, the people would once again commit evil in the eyes of the Lord. This begs the question, am I a mighty man of valor or a complacent peacekeeper who doesn't accomplish anything remarkable? Am I giving all my time, talent, treasure, and energy merely to my family and my family's activities? Or am I seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that he will give me everything else that I need? We only have one shot in life and time goes by much quicker than we think. May God help us to seize our gifts, calling, and opportunity and prove ourselves to be good and faithful stewards for our Lord, for from him we
1: will receive a reward that's out of this world. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through to bible teaching program of Pastor Darrell Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Israel turns from the Lord, so he delivers them to the Philistines. Then, the angel of the Lord announces the birth of Samson. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Judges on Simply the Bible.